So that just reminded me of something of the time uh, we were walking in the forest, Jim. Yeah. And um, years ago, Jim, Jim, Jim. Um, we were walking in the forest. There's <laughs> a point to the story. With and Leonard it's a good point Nimoy. To it. <laughs> With an old Leonard Nimoy from the 90s. Yeah. Um, and there was a family that, that crossed our path. And we just heard the kid after we'd passed them just say, who are they? <laughs> <laughs> Having an existential moment. <laughs> kind of finally realizing, oh my God, they just have a whole existence. Who are those people? <laughs> but it was, okay, so it was simpler than that because it was on the back of like walking past, you know, like we're having our camping experience. We go for the nature walk and you do the thing where it's like you walk past somebody and it's like Aussie males do this all the time. So it's like, g'day. mate, g'day, mate. G'day. How you going? Good, good morning, good afternoon. And you don't answer the how you going. How you going? The correct response to how you going is how you going. So <laughs> people say, how you going, how you going? And obviously because of that interaction between the parents, which in, you know, like for contemporary people who aren't Australian means I mean you no harm, brother. Uh, like <laughs> I come unarmed to this unofficial meeting. Um, it's like we will pass... As kindred spirits. As kindred spirits and <laughs> live attend. to see the rest of this day. And uh, they walk on and we walk on. But because there's been an interaction with the parents, the kids just go like, who the fuck was that? Do you Dad? know them? <laughs> Do you know those Do people? Do you know those people? And, but yeah, it's like it did I, seem like an existential moment of like, wait, they're doing the same walk we are. They exist. <laughs> Where are they going? It's like we just they're came the from other there. Way. <laughs> they're going the wrong way. Is that us in the future, Dad? <laughs> Answer me. <laughs> Yeah, because when you're really little, it's just like like everyone's just like a tall human that's mum or dad adjacent. Yeah. That thing where like like little toddlers will just like any tall male is just dad. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, a dad, yeah. Just a dad. And they're like, it's the same person, isn't it? Probably. Yeah, it was the same. We occupy the same imagined space. Uh, all dads are one in dad space, which is a dimension <laughs> that we all exist in. It actually makes more sense to me the more you're saying it. Um, please call me an ambulance. God, wait, is there a like child's chapter on There's drinking chapter your own on piss? We'll get to it. <laughs> you know what? We'll, we'll cover it at some point. Hello, everybody. Ignore what we just said. No spoilers. It's fine. I'm going to introduce the episode now. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to the Music and Everything podcast. I'm Jim. I'm here with the mighty learned power couple that is the Sams. And we're here to get excited <laughs> about stuff that we don't know a lot about. And today's episode is on camping. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, and apparently Owen Wilson is a big fan <laughs> of that. Wow. It is wow. on camping. So uh, today, Samantha is wearing our chief investigator hat. She's CI for the episode. She's throwing up peace signs. You can't see it. You can't see it. Because uh, we're not really here. They're ironic. Or I'm are screaming they? at you from the past. You know when you do something ironically and then it just becomes a part of your personality? Yeah. Yeah. The That's life where we're of at. millennial people. <laughs> I truly believe that is how culture develops. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you know what? We should unpack that yeah, later. Later. Another episode <laughs> Another time. on memes. Um, uh, this <laughs> talk yes. to me about camping. We're talking about camping. Now, camping is something we all have have done. All of us. All, all of us, us in this room. The collective humanity. Oh, in this room. In this yeah, room. Okay. Sorry. To clarify, yes. In this room. <laughs> I grew up with camping. Yes. That was the way that my family went on holidays because mm -hmm. there were nine of us. And so the cheapest and easiest way to do that is to pitch tent somewhere mm -hmm. and eat damper. Like, that's pretty neat, actually. A damper is, it's, <laughs> can you define damper, please? Okay, so damper is essentially just you mix flour and water and maybe some butter together and then you put it in a bit of coals and then you cook oh, it and, and it's bread. Oh, and baking powder, is it? Baking powder, I don't it's know. It's a chemical rice. It's a chemical rice. It doesn't have to be baking powder because it's a traditional bread, mate. Well, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's a sourdough. It's not a sourdough. It's a. It's a. Why soda didn't we bread. cover this in last episode? <laughs> because we were talking about bread. We we're talking about yeast. Fuck. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure it's it's a soda bread, isn't it's it? It's a soda, soda bread because yeah, it's all puffy. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Irish soda bread, but like Australian. Imagine and then it's in a campfire, preferably. Yeah. Anyway, so that's you cook it over coal. It's like a giant yeah. scone. My dad would make. Yeah, no, that's actually a, that is exactly what it is. It is a <laughs> giant scone, which for, is a buttery biscuit. There's a buttery biscuit in the US. <laughs> 
And my dad would make braided damper because right. he was a chef. A braided so make, buttery biscuit. A braided And buttery. you would have it, you'd have it hot and with but, uh, butter and honey on it. Oh, so good. In a in a two-man tent. Yeah, we actually had a family tent. We had a family tent. <laughs> just um, all in one Honestly, whenever tent. we went camping, it was like a little city because we'd have our sleeping yeah. quarters, but we also had like an eating tent. Yeah. That was like a kitchen tent. And then, of course, there's the agriculture tent. And <laughs> yeah, there's the entertainment tent. <laughs> That's where you grew the potatoes. There's and the bureauc- then- we obviously have the bureaucracy, the central government. Yeah. That's to handle immigration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you guys get it. I, um, I don't know if I do. <laughs> now, you went camping sort of a when you were bit. younger. Yes. Not a huge amount. Not, not a great deal. It wasn't uh, a big part of our most life. Of I forget camping, you guys shared a childhood. Yeah, yes. we did. <laughs> um, my, most, of, most of my camping experience was through school, school camps, trips that we would oh. go on. Um, where you're sort of forced into the wilderness with a whole bunch of like um, other pubescent boys and experience <laughs> what hell might be like. Um, it, it, you know, so it's like it's not exactly the mo- the, an environment conducive to enjoying oneself and celebrating the outdoors when essentially survival is your key. Yeah, it was uh, trial by fire. Yeah. It was like orienteering to the point of if you don't make it, too fucking bad. Yeah. And so it was a Lord of the Flies out there. Yeah. Um, but, like, I do have, again, in hindsight, very fond memories of those camps, though particularly as we got older and the camps actually became kind of voluntary. Yeah. And I was like, they're involuntary. You have to fucking go. They're a compulsory thing to do uh, up into a certain age. And then it's just like we finally reached the age where in the school, I remember this this moment, actually being this like moment of clarity, where it's like we don't have to go on camp. And we've been complaining about it every single year. And then it came to it and I'm just like, yeah, I really want to go. Do you want to go? I was like, yeah, I really want to go. And so we went and had a, had a blast. Like the, the, I remember those last two camps that we did were fucking stellar. Were incredible. you camping like on in tents or did you have like lodging? Yeah, well, so you would go to, they had like this um, offsite sort of thing and, you know, you would stay in lodgings and stuff like that. And then at a certain point you would go and do like orienteering and then go and find a place to camp and then camp and then, you know, do like yeah, a couple of right, days okay. of, of sort of looping around and stuff like that. So, I mean, like ultimately pretty cool. But again, yeah. the environment was more to do with the culture of pubescent boys in the late nineties, building um, character, <laughs> than the camping itself. Yeah, yeah, similar experience for you with camping. Uh, yeah, similar, except in the mid to late two thousands. <laughs> um, no, but All like right. cheek flex there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably worse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's there's school trips where they weren't the kind of wholesome like sort of primary school. Sh- trips that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of those exact ones, adolescent era when you're like 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I didn't do those orienteering ones where you suffer greatly. Um, I think I did one that was a sailing trip, but it involved camping. This is my favorite part about it because we went on a little like catamaran boat yeah. and traveled around the bay, Morton Bay. Yeah. And just would be, oh, where do we sleep? Well, we have to go park. What do you... Anchor? Anchor, yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't know anything about boats. Um, anyway. Stop for a while. <laughs> yeah. Stop for a while at an island and just go find a spot via dinghy to an island and we camp there. That's rock and roll. And it was that was really cool because it was it was also the thing where it's like, is this camping for recreational camping for um for purpose? Yeah. And I really liked it in that moment because it was kind of like we must make camp. It is yes. like, we must make camp. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise we will be without shelter. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's an interesting place to start is sort of going like, what do we mean when we say camping? Yeah, it's a good question. Because obviously throughout history, people have at various points for various reasons lived in sort of tent-like structures, mm-hmm. sort of like what we would call like temporary shelter is like mm-hmm. a way of describing it. You know, you have military campaigns that have encampments that they move you also have like prior to sort of like stone housing and like the sort of, you know, development of small cities and villages. You on have the back of yeast, yes. On the back of yeast, <laughs> see previous episode. Um, <laughs> you have these sorts of camping by necessity. There's an, an element of that. But when we talk about camping, what I'm kind of wanting to talk about today is camping for recreation, camping for leisure. Camping yeah, recreational, as a choice. Yeah, holiday camp. Without yes. that distinction, it becomes kind of meaningless and weird because you start, like you can't just say that, um, Napoleonic soldiers crossing into France are like they're like having, oh, they're a, having like a camping time. Like it's that's like not so a war. And also, and and also particularly the distinction between um, you know if you're a nomadic peoples, yeah, then true. you camp, and that's not your you're not going camping. You're living, living your, your life, goddamn life. Yeah, and so I think when we're talking then about the origins of that kind of camping, the camping that we've engaged in, yeah. 
um, because you've gone camping as an adult. We've yes. gone camping as an adult purely for recreation, purely for just a leisure time, even yeah. though it is the weirdest form of leisure activity. Uh, I get a getaway do. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with so much extra shit added on. Mm. That, and that I think we'll, we will we'll get to that. But I have a quick question yes. on nomenclature or Please. nomenclature if you yes. don't know how to pronounce the word like I do. Um is camping refer? Is that like a, a term that is sort of universal amongst English language speaking countries? Like, yes. so if if I was an American, I would go camping, yes. and that would be an understood thing. Nice. Just wanted to check. Yeah, I think that the, there are greater distinctions between hiking terms than there are between right. camping. Yeah, it seems like this is the first term that's just the whole Anglosphere just sort of like agrees. <laughs> it's mm. just like it's funny. We make camp. We make camp. It's a straightforward. Yeah. Whereas, way. like. Obviously, like, we will talk a little bit about hiking and stuff today because that's an adjacent activity to camping, but, mm -hmm. like, different places call it different things. Right. Um, so when did this camping begin? When do you guys think this camping started? Like, yeah, as a, as a as leisure a, As a leisure practice, as, like, a fun activity. What, where, when do you think this is happening? Uh, around the time of the first Matrix film, which was 1999. Well, we only believed it to be the year If you quote the script from The Matrix to me again. <laughs> wow. Am I right? Uh, Answer me. No, you're Damn not right. Fuck. Sam. Was it the 1800s? Okay, that's too broad. Say a year. 1810. <laughs> uh, you were closer. Closer. <laughs> closer, than, <laughs> closer than 1999 yeah. so we're is talking, not hard. <laughs> we're talking probably mid to late 19th century, so 1850s, 1860s. Should have gone in the middle. Should that would have been smart. Head your bet in the middle. <laughs> yeah. And so There is no, no middle no, of that's, fluid time. That's <laughs> Because there's a there's a lot of literature, and I, I did read some very very interesting books actually, and I'll, I'll point them out when I get to them about the information I grabbed. But there's some really interesting literature around like the history of camping, the development of camping, and how camping as a leisure activity requires urbanization, industrialization, and influx into cities to become sort of this recreational activity. Oh, yeah, because if it's the thing that everyone does, it's not a thing to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like if yeah, if you're if you're sort of like. If it's just how people live, it's not really an activity. Mm. And so there's a lot of really interesting sort of perspectives around camping being almost this like anti-modernity practice. Right. Mm. Because you've got modernization, you've got people moving into cities, you have your cityscapes becoming less natural, they're denser, they're more complex, they're kind of less green. And so people are like, I need to escape this environment to return to nature and i need to return to nature because when we're talking about the mid to late 19th century we're talking about rapid development mm -hmm. but also a large number of people who remember a time before that right. development so there's people who remember already complaining about young people and their phones yeah they're already there <laughs> yes yeah you can, you've sort of yeah. got this older generation of people and um it was like sort of like an older group of people like people in their like 30s and 40s yeah. who were kind of retreating to the wilderness as a way to kind of reconnect. Um, I'd like to make a request that you never refer to people in their 30s and 40s as older. Well, again. in the context of the late... Not, never not once. <laughs> in the context of the late 19th century, Okay, they are older people. Yeah. I love that the returning yeah. to nature thing is really fascinating because it's it seems to be like from, from what we've both read and what I think I can say from personal experience as well is that there's this sort of sense that that's fairly universal among people who go camping. This idea that it's just like, oh, I, this it's too much. I need to release yeah. all of that. I need to go back to nature. We're going to have some no yeah. screens time. We're going <laughs> to go and be quiet. Well, and I think so that there's like a connection, right, between that and like things like scouts groups and all of these other small sort of like nature, like mm. sort of like girl guides, all of that. There's this idea of like we need to get back to like the natural uh, kind of like practice of our relationship. But I mean, with on the that side of thing, it's it almost feels less recreational and more like a preparation and kind of like learning useful yep. survival techniques. Like you know, but that could be I don't know how to so, tie knots, and things, for example. <laughs> but here's, so here's the funny thing: is like so we've talked about this uh, recreational one, which is like oh, and this um almost semi-spiritual one. I've got to return to nature. Mm. I've got to sort of reaffirm the sense of self I have with in relationship to that. I've got to see some. Fucking trees, dude. Yeah, that sort of stuff. But there's also like the hardship element. I want to have like, something a little bit difficult. Yeah, I want to have something a little bit difficult. But also camping has been used. Why do you think there's camping school trips? It's been used for like more than a century, I'd say, as a form of like moral education. To r remove 14-year-olds from the general populace. <laughs> Just like for everyone's I mean, as long as, as possible. It's God's work, really. You're saying you can only do two weeks. 
<laughs> no, I agree. And, I, and honestly, I think that when you're thinking about the early, the late 19th, early like 20th century's relationship with nature, it's not just a reconnection with nature. It's like a, a, a way to counteract the degradation of developing urbanized society. Right. And there's a little bit of eugenics-y stuff in there. Like oh, it's a what little the bit. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, just like a weird, like a little tangent. There's a little bit like racial degradation stuff. There's a little bit of like fitness, physical fitness being a thing that has not the connotations it has now, but has different racial connotations. That's all tied up in these early stages. We're like 10 minutes. I know, I'm <laughs> sorry. a discussion about recreational camping and now it's eugenics. Well, it's not going to be eugenics for very, like, it's fine. Well, well not if they get that way. <laughs> well, no, that, so the story with the um, the Swedish Scouts Association yeah. um, was that there was the Boy Scout movement and they really, really changed after the war, mm-hmm. after the Second World War, um, because there were a whole bunch of values that they used to include in this, you know, moral education of boys to make, you know, manly men. Mm. And, you know, the, the sort of like a bravery, honor, self-sacrifice stuff in uh, Sweden, just like it basically was closely associated with fascism. <laughs> like it was a too, it was too close yeah. to authoritarianism. And so they actually deliberately demasculinized the Boy Scouts movement a lot, right. brought the girl and Boy Scouts movements closer together. Yeah, okay. And so it became more about like survival in the wilderness and like practical skills and more like physical yeah. fitness and like natural stuff rather yeah, than the, like the training character. the soldiers elements sort of got Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so fascinating. Uh because I know in Australia there's a little bit of like that connection with like, oh the the bush. Yeah, gotta go yeah, to the yeah, bush, bush and like reconnect with the our, our our strong bushmen and our strong. Is Australia yeah. the only country that refers to its kind of like green areas as bush? Well, um, I mean, those areas are profoundly uh, dead grass, so <laughs> they're not bush. They're not uh, some bush. Yeah, it is an Australianism. Yes, is it? yes, yes. Fun. Yeah. You can see our Australiana episode, part one for a discussion <laughs> on such words. Yeah. But I, I like kind of coming back to this sort of like anti-modern sentiment of camping i sort of that's one of the things that i like about camping is this idea of like yeah we have this very comfortable house which can keep food fresh and we can cook mm. with electricity and we have lights and we have air conditioners if it gets too hot and we have showers and beds and all of that and we are all ready to take that for granted and you know what let's get out of here that's crazy and let's sleep on the ground in a sleeping bag and have to cook over a fire and there's no clean water around and figure it out mm. like there's something kind of nice about Knowing that you can come back to something like this, going like, you know what? You know, it'd be fun showering in a creek every week, every day because like there's no showers. The thing is, as a as an adult or as you earlier described, an older person, I feel <laughs> like I feel when I think about camping, I feel less like that is a struggle. You know what I mean? Like when I was younger, thinking about that was just like, ooh, that's going to be fucking rough. But it's just like, I don't know whether now, you know, as you get older, you've had a lot more experiences and you've, you've experienced a lot more hardship just because time has passed um, and you're a millennial. Um, and like now I think of that and I go like, yeah, that's not a hard thing. No. Like, you know, that, that, that's freaking, we could just do that. You know what I mean? Whereas like as a teenager, it would have been like, ooh, fuck, we're in for a time now. Well, I mean, especially because we have the equipment for it, like. You, if you no, have- I mean, not even that. I just mean like the, the difficulty of like, you know, digging your fucking toilet hole and, like, yeah. you know, you know that living rough for a little, for a moment, you know. So there's this study um, that we came across that was about exploring the motivations behind campers in national parks in Australia specifically. Hmm. Um, Hassel et al, 2015, exploring the motivations, experiences and meaning of camping in national parks. Hmm. Thank you for um, that. Thank you for your like citation voice. <laughs> citation voice, engage. Um, and it, what was really interesting is that one of the strongest motivations from family groups that kept coming up in all of their interviews was like improving family functioning, i.e. having the kids do shit that's not to do with an iPad, <laughs> like basically <laughs> yeah. like just the forcing kids into a situation where they have to invent play and that they have to have free form play and they have to have time with their family. And yeah. also for them as well, that they're also not doing that. They're playing Monopoly together. Family time that is like... You know, it's 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 deliberate, it's intentional, but 
but it's also like the only thing that can happen. It's not like you're being mm. forced away from all of the things you want to do to spend time with family. It's just like all of that is gone and now it's you like cannot. you yeah. cannot avoid yes. family time, which and is I really mean, important. And of course that came up with um, adult groups as well, like reconnecting with friends because you've got no choice but to sit and talk to each other around the little uh, yeah. hurricane lamp. We Actually, here's a more recent camping experience that I completely forgot about um, with, for reasons. Um, after COVID happened and we were locked down for a long time, um, I didn't get to see the boys in Caligula's Horse for, for ages. And like we had grown accustomed over like a decade to being in close quarters with one another on tour multiple times a year. You know, we'd be in each other's pocket for like a month at a time um, for, for a decade. And then for a couple of years, we just didn't. And it was, it felt really strange and we missed that kind of interaction and we organized like a little camping trip for just the boys and we went and did it and it was truly wonderful. And it was exactly the kind of sensation that you get when touring because touring is rough. Mm. And it's like, you, you have to sort of switch off the part of your brain that desires creature comforts and you just have to kind of get it done. And we had a wonderful time. It was really, really good. And it, it replaced that kind of the social aspect of touring at least. So that's a more modern kind of more recent camping experience for me that was really positive. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's kind of these sentiments are echoed in older kind of like advocates for camping who mm. were trying to get the camping movement movement happening. So there was a book I read called Heading Out by Terence Young, which was about the history and development of the camping movement in the States, in America. Okay. And it was really, really interesting because basically he was he was kind of describing this almost again that really strong like anti-modern sentiment a sense of belonging and connection in like distant from kind of the modern urban sentiment and he mm. also described sort of camping as this sort of like pilgrim to nature okay. which i thought was really fascinating but the thing that i really liked is he he sort of he kind of posited this idea that this was a time that camping and stuff was also becoming an activity that not just the boys did, but also yeah. there were some people who were going like women should come camping as well. And yeah. it was allowed for this greater connection. And you, he, there was a writer called uh, William H.H. H. Murray, who was a massive advocate for outdoor recreation more broadly, mm -hmm. who saw from the impact of his writing, there was a influx of family groups in particular going camping as a form of recreation because similar to like my experience, it was uh, a for cheap and affordable way yeah. to connect with groups and also have this sort of physical ed education. But that early movement of camping was also much more rooted in environmental uh, environmental movement, whereas mm. I feel like camping now has shifted to a more social thing. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose that the core of that kind of return to nature thing still remains because it's like... I keep ref like I made the joke before about I need to go see some fucking trees, but like I um, need to go see some fucking trees. You know, it's like there's a real there's a real thing there. That it's just yeah. like humans like trees. We're ape like creatures. We we need to be around greenery and shit. And if yeah. you're not for a long period of time, it fucking affects you. And yes. like you, all you have to do is go like visit Binnaburra or some kind of like campsite that is really green and has beautiful views, and it's like the temperature drops and you're in like rainforesty kind of vibe. And your tension disappears. Yeah. You know, like you, you, it actually has a physical effect on you, just be, like being, acknowledging your place in the freaking animal kingdom, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I really like this um, line from the article I just, I just cited um, where you're talking about a, a way of thinking about um, various forms of tourism, which includes obviously like ecotourism, like a camping and mm. hiking and stuff. And it's just describing it as like a kind of modern pilgrimage moving from the profane to the sacred, from the ordinary to the extraordinary. It's tight. And I think that that captures it for me because like, um, you know, my limited experience, not so much with camping, but maybe to just going hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, to going out into the forest, like that, it feels that way. It feels like I want to leave behind the banalities. I want to leave behind the distractions and the constant noise of information mm. and memes and just like go into a place where there's nothing, mm. but what happens to you in that moment, yeah. which hopefully is an injury. Yeah. And like hiking as I think- <laughs> You will never be found. Yeah. Like um, as we've probably said about hiking in other episodes, it forces sort of a presentness because you are in a space which you know is, makes you vulnerable, but also the color green psychologically is, uh, produces a similar uh, chemical reaction to like a really big hug. Oh, wow. So the color green is actually really important for us to regulate cortisol, which is why having lots of houseplants 
has a genuinely positive effect, not it just does. because of the VOCs being filtered and like the, the oxygen being produced, but One the colour. One of my colour. least favourite kind of houses to go to or to see, and you see this a lot when we were looking for a home to live in, uh, as so many people are now, um, is the most austere white plastic looking yeah, grayish houses yeah and it's just like you walk in it's just like it feels like um fucking death in a dirty hospital it's it's like it's oh it, it you know what i mean you walk in and it's just like this is a room to die in that's all i get from it whereas like you know you fill your house with like you know I, i've always wanted a wooden house i like wood mm. i like wooden things around me i like freaking you know wooden furniture we, I like our deck our balcony is all like beautiful wood and the house is now surrounded by trees and previously we had lived in this tiny little place um, with basically no trees around, surface of the sun fucking vibe. You would never use the backyard because it was just awful and you felt really exposed. And now we have just like nothing but greenery around us and all wood. And that it makes the house feel alive and it makes me feel more connected to stuff. If I was to live in one of those posh places that was really white, um, I would suffer deeply. Uh, every mm. single day of my life. Yeah, because like even just putting plants around wouldn't necessarily solve that problem. No. So like this whole like returning to center thing where it's like, uh, you know, returning to nature and to the greenery. Mm. Um, you know, like, well, when we um we put out a request on the on the Discord for the music and everything. Oh, yeah, if you want to check out our Discord, uh, just follow the link in our bio on Instagram, which is at the Music and Everything Podcast. There you go. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, self-promote there, voice? Sam. <laughs> yes, what I've done now is I've moved into advertising time. We're sponsored by <laughs> CC's Corn Chips. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> we're we're really, really not. not. But yes, Buy we, old El yeah. Paso. <laughs> but we did, we did put out a request on our, on our Discord. We have a channel for the Music and Everything podcast. Um, and we asked them to share some of their experiences of camping. And thank you to everyone who did. Um, it was, it's really awesome. Um, and, and we really appreciate it. And it was really interesting that the, the, the themes across so many of them was like, um, lots of things to do with like, you know, struggle, bringing people together. But, um, a lot of it is for the nostalgia of, of camping when you're a kid and school camps and mm. stuff like that were where we started. Um, and it sort of got me thinking because from all my reading, it just seems like, you know, school camping is a really big part of, uh, people's emotional relationship to camping. So it's like a nostalgia. It's like, but then. It, that to me chimes so well with this whole return to the green thing because it's a homecoming, which is the origin of the word nostalgia. Like, yeah, okay. Um, like, it's a sense of like returning to an identity, really? reaffirming. Like Alger being pain, Nost being in the past. Is it? Anyway, <laughs> We're gonna it's have a good a... theme, everybody. It doesn't okay. have to be etymologically correct. Here's the thing for me, for me, it's my turn to Google shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna fucking do it. Go on. You're probably right. Let's fucking find anyway. out. But yes. A sense of homecoming, a sense mm. of re returning to a sense, something that's core to your identity, perhaps. Yeah, and this or to is, your memories. Yeah. This is what I liked about um, Terence Young's sort of like the way that uh, he proposed this concept of camping and hiking as a form of, of a pilgrim to a place that just changes you. It's like the idea that the, the way that he describes it is like you go to a place and you can only leave changed, you can't leave mm. neutral. So you enter the forest, you go on a walk, you camp somewhere, and you only you can only come back different than yeah. you were. A small amount of hardship ensures that. Yeah, like, <laughs> and like, and he says that uh, you know, for most people on the whole, it is profoundly a positive shift. It's a positive mental shift. You're relaxed. Mm. Cortisol levels are down. Maybe mm. you've maybe you've struggled, but you've kind of had some satisfaction. In I suppose that. the other side of it is that if you have a really tough and a really bad time, you come back and you appreciate your home a little bit more anyway. It's and a lot like, of people, you know, what I was taking my creature comforts for granted. But a lot of people talk about having this sort of like reflective nostalgia, reflective appreciation for camping where in the moment they really are like struggling and then they kind of look back. You know, you have those moments of like, man, in that was side. fucked. Yeah. And then you like look back on you and go like, I'm so glad that happened. What an experience that yeah. was. That was so much fun. Absolutely. I can I can appreciate it in retrospect. By the way, just to come back, we're both right. Um, <laughs> nostos Excellent. in Greek meaning return home and uh, algos meaning pain. The pain oh, of returning home. Yeah. Wow. That is... Pure darkness and uh, beautifully put together what as a, a word. Fantastic word. The Greeks. So, like a more happy nostalgia then, because the modern use of the word is a lot less pained most of the time. Yeah, it's still painful though. A little bit, yeah. Like but you're it's nostalgic, still just like, like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, but oh, we mostly my, use my the guts. word for like oh, a Nintendo 64. Let's yeah. play Mario Kart. I like. don't, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
You're not old enough yet, so mm. you'll, um, see, you'll see. <laughs> you'll understand. <laughs> you'll know. It'll happen to you. Um, you know, one, one of the people who responded on Discord said an awesome phrase to describe exactly what we're talking about, which is type two fun, where it's like stuff that absolutely sucks <laughs> when it's happening. Stuff that absolutely sucks, but you're doing it together and then you look back on it and it's actually kind of fun because of your Type suffering. Type 2 fun. That is so sick. That is going to stick with me. I too. love that. That is so great. And like, it applies uh, to camping perfectly because I don't know how, you know how many experiences like that where you, and like, especially like hiking, like you have some brutal experience yeah. and by the end of it, you're like, let's ah, do it again. That was like, so great. <laughs> it's, like, it's like being tattooed, I guess. Or, yes. or even, yeah. like, uh, even like going on tour. It's the same thing. I'm going to be thinking about type two fun literally the every time something time. particularly awesomely hard happens to me in yeah. <laughs> the next <laughs> remainder of my life. So thank yeah. you for whoever shared oh, that. I love that. I love that so much. Because that's what it felt like when I like reflect on that time we went camping at Newham Creek and like the ground was rocks and we were trying to get oh, yeah. tent pegs into the ground and they were just, just bending. bending and then, then we had a storm come through mm. and it was like absolute chaos. First time we'd gone camping together. Yeah. Ever. You were being tested. And we were being, being tested. tested. Yeah. I made a fire that withstood a storm. So like, I was very impressed. You were the fire master. I'm a fire master. You have a primal okay. power. I'll make you a hat. Can I really? <laughs> One person can be chief investigator. The other person gets to be fire master. <laughs> it's also doubles as fire warden. Oh, good. Okay, good. That's it's actually sort of, safety first, guys. Yeah. The sort of doing without thing and dealing with struggle is really interesting too. Like, So there's one story from this the journal article, right, about motivations about camping. And, and it was this woman that was talking about the fact that her husband like failed to pack like I don't know how it was like a lot of stuff. It included the cooker and included like a lot of the food, like mm. a lot of essentials were just not there. Mm. So initially, this is this is a type three fun at best. <laughs> like this is real struggles, bad times. Except they, she was kind of reflecting on going. This has been actually kind of good because we they turned it into a learning experience for the kids. Mm. Basically, going okay. Well, we're going to problem solve now. It's all about we're going to improvise. We're going to do without some things. We're, we're going to eat one of the kids. <laughs> Jim, this is a positive, wholesome podcast. Yeah, so is a good meal. <laughs> You're not allowed to hunt the wildlife. It's not permitted. Okay. Uh, in this country. Um, yeah. You know, in the, in the, back in the 50s in Australia, you could just pa um, park. Yeah, you could park and camp. <laughs> so you, you could lay anchor. You could park, park your boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, handbrake, turn your boat. Yeah. And no, you hate could, to reverse parallel park a boat. So you could just drive through the countryside and then there could be a large property and then you just go park and camp on that property and just go like, oh, knock, knock. Hey, do you mind if we just like uh, camp down by the creek for a couple of days, mate? And I'll be like, yeah, no worries. Just bloody send us <laughs> I don't know what, where this is going. Can I ask, <laughs> like, as they're having a back and forth, are their voices going to get progressively higher? <laughs> Each time. Is that, is that a, you're setting a precedent for yes, a bit I of an escalation? So. Oh, bloody cheers, mate. Yeah, I fucking see you the first time. <laughs> Sorry, Dale. Sorry, yeah. Dale. Sorry about your so ears, you buddy. Can, um, yeah. Yeah. So you could camp. Yeah. Uh, that's a completely different <laughs> So you could just camp anywhere, basically. Yeah, you could just camp anywhere. I don't know whether it was legal or not, but it was done. Mm. Well, and that, so you're bringing up a really interesting point about cars being a part of camping and so mm. there are obviously various different modes of camping so we've all gone sort of like car assisted tent camping yes right so we've driven to a place we've had a tent we've set up we've stayed there that is what i imagine yeah. Although we've is, never used that term because we can't i don't want to contemplate the alternative to what you're about to so obviously i think that that is a very very common mechanism of camping particularly in the way that in australia we have like there's private campsites, there's national parks. A lot of the time they are just, you drive to them, you'd set up camp. The other version is being brought to a faraway land on a convict ship, uh, which is less no, than ideal. <laughs> less than ideal. Um, but you also obviously have, you have backpacking, which is like sort of the combination of hiking and camping, but you have to carry everything on your back. Yeah. You carry everything with you. Yeah. This sounds awful. I'm not interested. Yeah, yeah but it would be Got that swag. But it would be so such an experience well, right? yeah, it's the, again it's camping by necessity at that point yes. it's barely camping by recreation mm, yeah. in order to get to this location you must camp yes and then you've obviously got like rv camping which is sort of what some of us might call glamping there's sort of like you're or in like a the future for all of us at some point <laughs> potentially potentially there's safari tents now which are like prefab tents that you can get as well which make camping easier but mm. the rv camping and then you also have fun this is so fun i learned about this this was like such a tangent that i went on Bike packing. Bike packing. Bicycle camping. Oh, wow. Okay. Do you want to know where this started? 
Where does it start? You're going to be so chuffed, guys. Don't look at my notes. I can't read your notes from here, dude. I'm 36 years old. So it was popular in the late Victorian Edwardian period, so late 19th, early 20th century, in Ireland. In Ireland? Amazing. That's fun. That's fun. So I'm going to just Cold cycling. So basically, so... so, (laughs) Wet. So bike... It's called bikepacking now, bicycle camping. You basically, you travel from place to place on bicycle and then you Mm. camp somewhere. So this was all... Um, obviously emerged due to the development of cycling and it was a massive pastime in Ireland and, you know, in other places in the world. But it actually kind of sounds preferable to general backpacking. Because, I, I mean, I like you're well, able a machine. To, yeah, but also like backpacking implies that you've had to get to a starting location some way. Yes. You know what I mean? Like whether you've public transport or you've driven there and then you start and then you go and do your thing. Yes. Um, whereas like bikepacking, you could fucking start at your house. Yes. And End at go your house. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's very cool. And so this started in the 1880s um, and this was because the development of a bike called uh, The Ordinary, which mm-hmm. was a solid tired bike that was really only accessible to young athletic men. Right. Um, it was They called it The Ordinary, which I, I was like, that's so cool. Why young athletic men? Uh, because it was quite a tall bike. Okay, right. So you had you had to kind of jump up onto it. I see. There were tricycles before, like there there were tricycles that kind of developed into the ordinary. Women used the tricycles. Okay. Then there was a whole there's a whole bunch of stuff about women being frail and fragile, and I could go on a whole tangent about that. There mm-hmm. are like William H H Murray, who I mentioned before, was a massive advocate for going like women are as strong, if not stronger, than men, mm-hmm. and are capable of doing a lot of things and like we love that riding man. a fucking bike and this was a man this was a man who was born in the 1840s right and he was going like women are mensch and i'm like thank you william hh H. murray i don't want to read any more into him because he's probably not 100 percent the best but <laughs> we can just assume <laughs> as much oh god but turns anyway. out he was compensating and he's just a serial murderer yeah <laughs> he's just like yeah whoopsie um and so in the early 1880s they actually had sort of like a cyclist tourist club where they would ride from like inn to inn Mm. And they would get like discounts and accommodation because they're a member of this club. But then some uh, the, a guy in 1888 was like, "How about instead of staying at an inn, we dr- we ride to Ulster, and then we just like camp?" And everyone was like, "Oh my god, incredible!" Next couple of decades, that what everyone was doing it. Incredible. And so it started a massive enthusiasm, and there's been a, a resurgence of uh, particularly bike packing mm. in places like the UK because they have quite a lot of like routes that you can take. And you can go from place to place, and there's pla- there's actually sites where they have like safari tents, which are like prefab tents. Not to mention the traffic on the M1, absolute murder. Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, I don't know if there is a freeway named the M1. There, I think there is a freeway named the M1. Well, there is here. I'm pretty sure all of their freeways are named M something, right? And a number. Typical. Um, so the reason I bring sure up all of these modes of camping, backpacking, bikepacking, tent camping, RV camping. There's also like canoe camping which sounds super fun where you literally are like on rivers and you canoe and then you For risky off. camping can I just imagine say, like slipping the pack under the water if you capsize and it's like whoop there goes everything that literally everything that we care about well, you the know microwave that, you know when- <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't have brought that canooping I would go canooping in a second the Jaffa Lions I love Canooping. Canooping. That's yeah. so fun. Hire me to name your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so the point that I so basically they people who are advocates of one of these modes really don't like the other ones. There's a lot of animosity actually between backpackers and tent camp campers and RV people. Bike the, the bike packers tend to stay out of it. They're like, well, I'm just doing my own thing over here. Can I ask just just quickly? This is America. Uh, only just because it's it's sort of just come into my head. Mm-hmm. Um, why? <laughs> the okay, fuck? so it's about this kind of, so this kind of comes to the question of like, what is the purpose of camping? Mm-hmm. And so they have these arguments about the other other ones not as authentic. Oh, so backpackers oh. are like, no, the whole purpose of camping is like to have struggle and to survive. It's a very survival necessity thing. And then tent campers are like, that sounds like a lot of fuss. How about I just go to a place, get pissed and have a fire? And then the RV people are like, yeah, but also I like to have like clean running water and electricity. And so- All of those things definitely sound like a reason to be hostile. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. And I, I would but say like- we all just be nice, man? Jeez. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's an interesting thing because I, I do want to sort of we've spoken a lot about already about sort of like what is the point of camping and I think every individual person has a different relationship with camping. My camping is often involved, often either involves total relaxation where you set up a tent and you play cards and you have a fire or 
I'm going to go on a 25 kilometer hike for no reason because it sounds like a good idea. Like it's one or the other, Mm. not really anything in between. Like, I just think that if your method of relaxation, uh, causes such hostility in you that you're angry at people who do it slightly differently, then your method of relaxation isn't working. <laughs> yes, yes. And Consider I, the alternatives. Yeah, I also think that it's like, how about you just let people do what they want to do? Yeah, for and crying like, out loud! Because, like, let, like, there's no harm. It doesn't hurt you. But this is the problem. So it's like if you've got something that's really rooted in the wrong kind of nostalgia, you could have... You, this can breed this sort of ne- really negative negative thinking yeah, because that, other people aren't real doing camping, it right. Like, yeah. like we used to do that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like in Australia, yeah. like there's kind of a strain of thinking about camping mm-hmm. um, that where it's kind of like, oh, it's it's harking back to this to the colonial period. It's harking back to this country was built in tents. Okay. That's because like when Australia was being colonized by Europeans, like you know, at one point in the mid 19th century in Victoria, in the state of Victoria. Like a third of all people living in the state were in tents. <laughs> right. Um, all in the same tent. <laughs> it was a all large in the tent. same two man tent. <laughs> there were nine people in Victoria. Um, <laughs> fucking sardines in there. Um, yeah. So, like, there's this, yeah, like, obviously, tents were an enormous part of that. And, you know, there's obviously a, a fair strain that survived of that, you know what I mean? Mm. Of like we talk about the the billy by the fire and the damper and a lot of yeah. Australian terms and traditions and stuff about camping and ideas of camping. So if you're too nostalgic about that, rather than the nice nostalgia we were talking about before, yeah. that can be really nasty and weird yeah, well, because it's like colonial every, and gross. Yeah, just like every <laughs> other form of like extreme nationalism, it's a bit yucky. It's a bit icky. It's mm. kind of just like, oh, yeah, this is when we were true bloody, <sighs> col- you know, <laughs> Aussie blokes. Why don't we all just enjoy nature the way that we like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, nice. like- <laughs> yeah, and I think that Australia is a really unique example of that because – we as a country really took to bushwalking in particular as like like no other country has. So that do, do you have any kind of like New Zealand other um, other countries' terms for bushwalking like a collection? So kind of- New Zealand calls it tramping. I was going to say tramping was the one that was on the tip of my tongue. And then the states, I'm pretty sure they they call it hiking. Just hiking in general. Yeah. And then we um, do hiking. I too. think UK called hiking as well, but we also bushwalking and hiking are sort of synonymous with each other here. Right. Um. But we sort of like have centralized bushwalking as a part of um, like the backbone of like how our national parks and nature preservation sort of got established here. Because Mm. at the same time that the states were doing their national park thing and national parks are in a a connected sort of history with camping because this appreciation for nature and in the environment comes with this desire to protect and conserve it. So those who are advocates for being in nature also tend to be advocates for its conservation. And so you have these sort of movements developing and then not long after that, these sort of developments of national parks being uh, established in the States, but not long after Australia started also doing national parks here. Mm -hmm. And so a part of that was people's desire to maintain these bushwalking sites and it was bushwalking, not camping in Australia that sort of established that because right. we hike like no other people hike. Like we bushwalk in a very different way and it's much more a part of our culture here than perhaps in other other countries, right. which I think is really cool because we have some of the most beautiful places in the world. We really do. Like and we have very vast national parks. Vast national parks and also unique. Unique, um, distinct. Flora and fauna. Like, yeah. Yeah, in a big way. In a big way. So like um, I think – Camping can happen everywhere, right? So you've got beach camping and forest camping and there's lots of different locations, but we have access to rainforests and like plains. And then you've got like uh, down in like Tasmania, they've got like actual like forest forests. Mm. You know, we've got- You mean like temperate forests. Temperate forests, sorry. (laughs) Temperate forests. And obviously the United States is known for their- National Incredible parks as well. They've got parks. the Redwood yeah. Forest up in like the north. Uh, also, because it's such a big east. place, it's like there's so many different types of yeah. um, land yes. there that you, know, you could travel Northwest. across a lot of uh, a lot of the US and just see everything. Yeah. You know, mountain regions, forest regions, Deserts. desert regions, like, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, see, so like one of the things I love about camping in Australia is that um, – you don't have to go far. You don't have to go to these national parks and wilderness to see wildlife because um, there's just a lot of space in like rural areas. So we're at a private camping site. 
yeah. in Queensland. And so just at dusk, we were next to a very large open space for a second, which was great because that means you're going to see kangaroos almost yes. certainly because they're, they're just, just everywhere. There they're are a lot there. of them. Mm. Some some people who, who um, are not from Australia think that kangaroos are somehow this rare sighting or something. But as soon mm. as you're out of the cities, they're just like, they actually get around in like yeah. in herds. So mobs. It's called mobs. Mobs, right. Um, yeah, not herds. Um, yeah. And They're like we saw like a giant monitor lizard. I think it was actually a goanna. No, it was a goanna. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean, Sam had never seen a goanna before and just this hulking mass like yeah. climbing the trees. Yeah. So oh my big God. And oh my slow. God. And yeah. beautiful <laughs> yes. as well in a really kind of like floppy, saggy kind of way. They, it, sniffed, <laughs> it sniffed our car and then it was like, up the tree I go. And Farewell. I was like, please go away. You're mm-hmm. huge. It's sort of interesting to me as well. Like, um, I think. I have this subtle idea. This is kind of a hard thing to try and find out through research and stuff. Like that, mm. you know, like I have this idea that camping means a lot of different things in different countries because like in Australia, like it's it's not really about that hardship stuff like that much. Mm. Nowadays, you know, it's, it's mostly it's, just it about sitting around with a tinny. Like it's yeah. about doing fuck all basically. And, and, and in a very Australian way, yeah. celebrating our, not just our like flora and fauna, but also like our culture the culture of being super laid back and like not taking things particularly seriously which has become like we talked about in our australiana episodes that it was like it's a cartoonish version of that now but the idea that like you can reduce yourself from suit and tie wearing city worker always in the cbd and then remove yourself entirely from that and just become a bloke in bloody shorts and a singlet and flip-flops sharing tinnies around a fire. You can just like reduce all of this bullshit mm. down to allowing yourself to be just Aussie as fuck <laughs> in this space. Yeah, because, you know, I, like, I remember seeing a, a tweet or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was from the US and it was somebody saying like, um, taking the piss out of camping basically. It was a very anti-camping um, sentiment where it was like, um, you know, I grew up uh, poor and black in the US. I don't need a week in the wilderness to, of inconvenience to mm. feel alive. Mm. And I thought that was, it's really clever and it's really funny mm. um, and, and pointed. Um, but it also, I think, says a lot to me about perhaps some of the different ideas about camping in the US where um, it is more about like, oh, like you've got to get back to your, you've got to get some struggle. You've got to do. Yeah. Um, From a place of privilege. Going yeah. like, my life is so easy. I need some struggle in order yeah, to exactly. make it feel valid kind of thing. That's yeah. sort of like Teddy Roosevelt, like man of the forest type. Yeah. You need to- I, I do kind of feel like that. that is also where we come from in Australia as well. But it's, it, I feel like it's more tied into the that Aussie culture that I was mentioning. Because yeah. also, you, like you were saying, in a, a family that's really large that doesn't have a lot of money going around, like a camping yeah. is a nice family holiday trip that you can do that doesn't cost you an arm and a leg to kind of do it. No, I agree. And that's why I think that in, it just didn't, I, I saw that um, message as something about the US that might have had some relevance, but in Australia it just kind of didn't because yeah. it's, it's kind of almost like the reverse. It is uniquely <laughs> relevant to the United States and the many sort of like cultural foibles <laughs> of what go on over there. I want to talk about the Scouts Association just ever so briefly. Okay. Um, Our Scouts Association in Australia or broadly? Yes. Well, because they're all really linked because they were founded in the UK in the 1900s. Oh, right. I didn't know that they were UK. Yes, they were, which surprised me as well. It really struck me as something that was going to be an American thing, but mm. nope. In, in fact, it was founded by a lord. Don't remember his name. Anyway, <laughs> so didn't write it down. This, the Scouts Association in Australia um, happened only a few um, years later. And I thought it was, so when I was um, a kid, I remember there was at the park, there were two buildings and there was a Boy Scouts and a Girl Scouts building. Okay. The Scouts Association hasn't been the Boy Scouts Association since 1971. So those buildings were just like shelters or something? No, I think it's just that everybody still called it that because even though they'd, so the, the Scouts Association in Australia, like Scouts Australia actually opened up to girls mm. um, since then. In the 70s. Yeah. And like right. now, now it's like, it's not a boys organization at all. It's mm. like, it's just open to everybody. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's like, that's further back than I would have thought given yeah. sort of cultural sort of assumptions about the Scouts. Um, can I, do you have any information about the Scouts in terms of like the uniform and like all the basis of like half of the shit that they do? No, I don't. Yeah, cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, yeah, so, and there's also the Girl Guides. The Girl Guides still around. Other, other Scouts associations. Are they not? I thought the Girl Guides were connected to the Scouts. No. Oh. They're called Girl Scouts in another country, but here they're called the Girl Guides. So we have Girl Guides cook- cookies. Girls mm. Guides cookies? That's just a mouthful. I don't like yeah. that. Where, are the, where do the apostrophes go? I don't. Please don't ask me questions about um, grammar. 
but they actually, yeah, and they like again, not what I thought because they're still around, and they also don't do just kind of like I like I remember like it was portrayed to me as like oh, and they do just uh, sewing. Oh <laughs> like, uh, yeah, <laughs> right, okay. yeah. It's like that's not at all like that. It's like it's the same philosophy of the Scouts. They have a whole patrol system, and they um, both organizations like uh, it's all about like you know learning through hardship and community and mm. like and outdoor skills and stuff. I mean, Use, uh, useful skills, I really getting, useful yeah, ones. Outdoor skills would be really useful because like being able to know how to start a fire would be something that would be very useful. Being no, no like knowing this information about how to tie a knot yeah, might I come in handy not, one not day. Not tying really is, that's a big one for me. Yeah. It's like I should just go and learn how to tie knots instead of just accepting that as the truth about myself that is fixed in space and time. Uh, but like I, I should definitely do it because I feel like that is a, that's like a failing on my part. Because it, I feel like it is almost an essential survival skill in the same way as starting a fire. You know, being able to fix and secure something is really important. And I'm such a little city boy that, like, I, I, can't, I can't do those things. And I think it's really important to, to kind of get in touch with that. And that, other than the returning to nature calming aspect, I feel like camping is a good way to encourage kind of developing the skills that would make me less useless in the event of the apocalypse, which uh, <laughs> at this point, you know, I'm the first against the wall, man. I'm like, eat me. <laughs> I'm good for sustenance probably at this point. So the reason why I brought up the scouts and the girl guides is because they're a great example of how like um, outdoorsiness and camping, you know, which is a big part of that, um, it relates to like moral education, basically like how, we use camping as a way of like uh, character building and teaching mm. kids how to be adults. Right. The point is, is that what adults are has changed over time. You know what I mean? Like what the moral goal we're searching for has changed over time. And yet the systems of camping education have not. <laughs> well, so like it's okay. If you look at the oaths, like the scouts promise, oh. the oaths that all the little kids say. I wasn't aware. There the scouts was is an extremely wholesome organization, by the way, okay. in terms of its content, in terms of what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. So from 1908 to 2017, this was the scouts promise, the oath that all the Let little kids would do, say. Do a voice, please. On my honor, I promise to do my best, to do my duty to my God and to the King of Australia, to help other people and to live by the Scout law. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2017 onwards. On my honor, I promise to do my best to be true to my spiritual beliefs, to contribute to my community and our world, to help other people and to live by the Scout's law. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the shit. Yeah. That's, Way better, right? Yeah. I mean, not a bad principle. Also teaching kind of ideas of kindness and con- connectivity and community through also through nature yeah. as well. Like, I think that's really nice. Plus, I know that we have a King of Australia now, <laughs> technically. <laughs> technically, <laughs> literally. Feels, not technically. It feels... <laughs> there just is. There is. <laughs> it feels like... There shouldn't be, not just because of my weird proclivity towards, uh, you know, eating the rich, but like, I, <laughs> but it just doesn't trip off the tongue, doesn't it? But I suppose Queen Elizabeth was alive and queen for so very, very, so very long. Very, very long. The girl guide law. Um, now, so this is where the gender component of this really comes in. Okay. All right. So 1910 to 2012 is when it changed. 2012. A guide is, I'll try and abridge this to so it's fast. A guide is loyal and can be trusted. A guide is helpful, is polite and considerate, is friendly and a sister to all guides, is kind to animals and respects all living things, is obedient, has courage and is cheerful in all difficulties, makes good use of her time, takes care of her own possessions and those of other people, is self-controlled in all she thinks, says, and does. Oh, wow. oh my God. <laughs> it, it's, um, it's amazing. It's like it's written by a dude saying, I wish you were less hysterical. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> but I love the, 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 You'll the be good, girls. obedient and also like take care of your own shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, could you just pick up your bags? For God's sake, also contr- Eloise, pick up your bags when you leave the room. Control Eloise. your thoughts and feelings. Yeah, self-controlled in all she thinks. From 2012 onwards, as a guide, I will strive to respect myself and others, be considerate, honest, and trustworthy, be friendly to others, make choices for a better world, use my time and abilities wisely, be thoughtful and optimistic, live with courage and strength. Oh, yeah, that's, see, that's great. Tight. I love that. And I'm I- glad they changed that. Yeah, good job organizations changing your mottos to something a lot less dicey. Yeah, but see, like the heritage of the scouts is really weird in terms of the serving the king because the chief scout of every scouting organization in the state and nationally is the sitting governor or governor general. 
Oh my god. Which means the chief scout of Queensland is Her Excellency the Honourable Dr. Jeanette Young. Oh, <laughs> the oh. governor of Queensland. Wow. Who was the doctor in ch- chief medical officer during much of the pandemic in Queensland. Chief, we call them chief health officers, not chief medical officers. <clears throat> sure. Um, I bet she can tie a knot. But okay, so that I sounded re- a lot like a like I was making a sexual it, joke. It kind of it came out wrong. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. So like, <laughs> take okay. it however you like, which is also what she said. Anyway. Oh my, Jim, 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 Jim. So Jeanette I, Young, she can get it. Ugh, okay. I'm stretching. <clears throat> so one of the things that I also love about camping is the cooking that we can do while camping. The variety of methods on which you can cook things. Sam and I have a shit, tendency yeah. to mm. cook more gourmet shit when we're camping <laughs> yeah. than we do on everyday life. Yes. So let me describe one of the meals we made while camping. Are you camping just bragging about our camp yes, food yeah. right we now? we are very good at Welcome cooking. Welcome to the Family so Flex. we made a gorgeous garlic tomato reduced sauce. So fresh cherry tomatoes that you cook over time and mm-hmm. they like come a sauce. And then mm-hmm. you pan put that with pan-fried gnocchi mm-hmm. and some fresh basil leaves. Okay, right. That was one of our meals while camping. It's a one-pot meal. Oh, and we did so street tacos. So it's literally did... an opened <laughs> tin of baked beans. <laughs> so I love this sort of like variety of things that people, the variety of ways people approach eating while camping because you have sort of like those people that, especially the ultra light, I didn't even talk about this, ultra light backpackers. Okay. So these are a group of backpackers that like bring the barest of minimum things okay. and they basically just have like a regular backpack on, but it's stuffed with ultra light things. Right. Um, whereas the traditional, the traditional backpacker has like the bigger pack. Yeah, you can picture it. It's got the rolled up kind of yeah, tent on the top. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. So these are the, the ultralight backpackers tend to use what are called rations or MREs, which are like ready-to-eat meals, that freeze-dried meals. Okay. Which you can buy at camping stores. You can buy them. Yeah. And I know those. You sort of just pop them in water yeah. and you eat them out of the bag. And so there's a technological- Like astronaut food. Yeah, like, like like military rations. Like it's the exact same food. Mm. And so there's a really interesting thing that happens with like when you look back at like the way people ate while camping early on, they were bringing like whole hosts of food. They were bringing fresh food with them. They were bringing crackers and cheese and all of these things. And people sort of simplify that when the technology allows it. So the the ability to bring like safe burners means that you can reheat things or you can and rehydrate cook things, things properly, and yeah. actually cook things rather than needing a fire to cook. Because the thing is I have like a, um, a high pressure wok burner that is about as sort of um, easily transported as like a barbecue that you'd bring camping. So if I just brought that in a wok... We're cooking some good ass food, and also yeah. possibly burning ourselves, really and badly. probably burning ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really good to mention that because I think there's all, there's this idea that like, oh, when you go camping, you've got to cook a certain way, and of course that just becomes like Western cookery, like really plain. Oh, we will mm. have steak and penne. No, and don't get me wrong, that's I'm great camping some food. Motherfucking Szechuan prawns yeah. in this bitch. <laughs> no, so Let I me love- bring my doubanjang. When you go to a campsite in Australia with a communal kitchen, that's what I love is that you've got like a people from a variety of different cultural backgrounds cooking a variety of different camp food that is all equally camp food. Yeah. Like, yeah, like a, like we saw when we went camping one time, there was an Indian family that brought pre-cooked curries that they reheated that yeah. smelled amazing yeah. and actually inspired. <laughs> Made you regret your choices. <laughs> well, but it inspired me the next time we went camping, I made mm. a curry and brought it and we reheated it for a dinner and it was fantastic. And you're just paying it forward. Yeah, next and it was it was year, like, really lovely. Holy fuck! Yeah, another family set up like a Chinese barbecue style all along the table. As Hell well. yeah! Dude. So it was, again, it was like barbecued meat, but in a different way. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Because also, I suppose that applies to the whole return to how things once were kind of thing. That it's like you are out in the wild preparing food for a group of people yeah. and sitting around the fire and enjoying that and enjoying the safety of that. And in Australia, though, it's a bit of pretend danger, especially if you're mm. up north and that doesn't get very cold. So, like, it's you're not dealing with extreme cold. You're at best, at most, you're dealing with storms and heat is probably your biggest problem. And depending on how north you go, salties, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, saltwater crocodiles, but perhaps down here. But, like, I'm just amazed, <laughs> like, hearing stories from campers in, these, in the States, in the US, being like, oh, and then, oh, our bear stole our food. And I, think, oh, I just forget that, like, we don't have fucking bears yeah, like, actually, to worry is, about. This is one thing that I've wanted to bring up for a while, guys, and that is that, like, Australia has the... I'm going to do my ad voice now that I could come to Australia. Like, we have a reputation of, like, having the most dangerous shit. People are just like, oh, yeah, in Australia, everything kills you. And it's like, yeah, I mean, sure, it actually does. But, like... I mean, you're right. <laughs> the thing is, we have all of the tiny things that will kill you, like, small... Um, 
uh, you know, egregiously aggressive snakes uh, that are in <laughs> deadly. Arsehole like, snakes. Arsehole snakes. Tiny hidden spiders underneath shit that if you reach under will kill you. Like that, there's that, that rock that's that, a fish. There's a rock that's a fish that kills you, jellyfish that kill you, all of that sort of stuff, right? And so that that's, you, be careful, guys. It's dangerous out there. But we don't have... Outside of you mentioned saltwater crocodiles, and they're only sort of like relegated to you know certain regions I mean, of Australia down, of a country yes. that is fucking massive. They're on their way. They're, they're on, on their way. way. That's not. But apart from them, apart from them, we don't have any like giant apex predators. So it's just like <laughs> no. thinking about fucking thinking about a bear, like the very idea of like or a wolf or wolves. Like wolves, the idea yeah, of like placing a tent somewhere where there is a very real possibility that there will also be a fucking bear. Yeah, a- and un. Like a f- fucking giant man, like a 10 man sized killing and eating machine is horror to me. Yeah, like, so this, like, I might have mentioned at the start, but this is like for kids, survival skills handbook to survive in the wild in camping by Bear Grylls. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just, it took a few pages in and it's like, here's a bear box. Here's the ways that you need to protect stuff from bears. You could put it up a big tree and then the bear won't be able to get the, the food. Bears can and, climb mm. trees. Yeah, that's why I don't understand you about that particular between. idea. His name is bear. I think he knows oh, yeah, what he's talking between about. The trees. So they can't, yeah, if, gotcha. you, if you just put it up and be, be wary. You could put your food in a in a bear can. A, a bear, bear can. A can of bears. Yep. A beer can. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just like the idea that like, you know, I've, I've woken up from like a cabin or something and heard like a, an Australian scrub turkey like like trying to get at food or just ramming its head senselessly into citronella candle for some reason. Because it's adorable. Because um, it's a moron. And then, uh, but then I imagine just like doing that. So, oh, what's that? You unzip the thing and there's a grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks I think, for coming. I think the most- And he ate the, your food. The scariest thing we have are probably dingoes. Yeah, dingoes. Dingoes will take your food but the, and your children, but not adults. <laughs> oh my mm. God, <laughs> I'm just saying they prey on human children. That's They are dangerous. No, yeah, mm. they are But very they don't dangerous. generally attack adults. No, and if you're in a large enough group, they won't attack you. Yeah, so I mean, but this is what I mean, is that like we have few and far between relegated to certain areas, things that are big and scary. And the rest of the time, it's just like you just keep an eye out for venomous things that tend to keep to themselves. Mm. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, again, the the apex predator thing scares the absolute balls off. <laughs> yeah, just like-, yeah, like I love the idea of like going into like like Oregon and Washington and like camping in their redwood forest, but the very concept that there could be a bear in there scares mm. the living Christ out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because also you have to be very careful. Like when I was talking about food, there's a reason why they have like these bear cans and like bear boxes <laughs> mm-hmm. and like all of these things is because yeah, okay. they have very, very good little noses. Little noses. Because also, can we just, for a hot second tangent, Yeah. why do bears got to be so fucking cute looking yeah. despite being a massive they beast? They are the snuggliest They're predator so I can think of. Little puffy cheeks. Um, shave a bear. <laughs> no. And then see what happens. Jim, no, that's mm. me. I'm not going to shave a bear. It kind of looks like uh, the ghost of a Viking ancestor. Oh, and, um, yeah. But like after death, so oh, it's, it's okay, cool. scary. That's very that's fun. Um, but I like I like thinking about the the so kind of circling back to the mm-hmm. to talking about sort of like the modernization anti modern tradition. The actual point of the podcast. Well, yeah. not just the point of the podcast, <laughs> but just something that I think is a, a running theme with all of this because when you think about camping. Like say in the early nineteen, uh, uh, early twentieth century, you're probably like the picture that I have is like canvas tents with like sticks. They're very like sort of tied down. Like you had to tie a knot, and you had to know how to tie a knot. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this thing is going to fall over. You sort of had to do a little bit of like f- like angles in your head to figure out how to set this up, or you set very very simple. I think there's actually in this Bear Grylls book, there's actually a... Um, I learned a lot from this, this kid's book. I've got to say, it's got like 10 pages on how to how I to make fire. What's what's good about it is that it is like 90% diagrams. And I, I find that yeah. very That shows helpful. you how to make an igloo. Oh, well, yeah, it does. It shows by you. Bear Grylls. <laughs> oh, here we go. We're not so it's got sort of Bear like Grylls. those sort of top shelters where you have like the the a-frame or the lean-to or the pyramid yeah, okay the simple, simple simplest so possible shelter and look if you need alternative shelters we have this bag a hammock or a mongolian yurt <laughs> if you desire here's the instructions on how to build a yurt and so but what has happened is obviously the technology around camping has developed incredibly mm. so we have we have a tent that is fairly light it's not the lightest tent you can get but it's very easy to set up two Mm. people can do it and it is designed incredibly well to keep heat in keep cold out and make sure moisture runs off we also have um 
an inflatable self-inflating mattress so we're not having to sleep on the ground we have mm. sleeping bags that are you can get sleeping bags that are designed for tropical environments or ones that are good for like snow mm. for like winter camping so one of the cool experiences of camping is being able to cook over a fire and if you've never cooked over a campfire i'd highly recommend mm. it it's, yeah. it's it's quite a uh interesting and fun experience and you can you can do a whole bunch of really cool cooking like with especially that. if you're like proper city oh born yeah kind of person yeah, I've, that's I've never done it I used really to a freaking induction stove or a, exactly. you know, like something like that exactly and if you have the plates and you have i mean you can even put things in in tin foil and like put them in the coals it's a really fun experience but obviously there's been technological developments that make like cooking while camping a lot a lot simpler and actually makes it a lot more accessible for people having mm -hmm. these like double burner gas burners or you have these like little um like kind of like portable individual gas cookers that you kind of can heat up your meal and it all is very contained. Like contained in a tube. Yes, in a tube. It's like the size of a two-liter water bottle and you can just chuck it into your bag. I it's think. like the thermos from hell. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. a great way of describing Satan's it. Satan's thermos. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Oh, my God, we should develop it. That's but not. I think that's a really cool thing because I think um, uh, there's a lot of barriers to camping that people um, kind of – struggle to sort of get past and one of those is like the cooking element mm -hmm. and then obviously all this other technology like the tents and all the all of the bedding stuff makes it a lot simpler and easier for people yeah. to access this sort of like recreation which i think is really cool yeah i mean that's it's pretty freaking awesome the fact that it's like i think a lot of the struggles that people have with the idea of camping are kind of imagined issues that may have been true in the past because i mean the fact is like based on everything we talked about just now i mean with the development of all of this technology there probably hasn't ever been a time where it is as easy to connect with nature in this way as easy and available for people to go and experience nature and reconnect and do all the things that we talked about before we wrap it up one thing i wanted to say was the nostalgia thing is what has really struck me today and i feel like it's super important to develop that in children because if you grow up and you never have that camping experience or you never have like the hiking experience even it doesn't have to be camping um, because of course hiking was something that we did a lot as kids and it's something that that i still enjoy doing now whatever manner you're connecting with nature i think it's important to do it as a kid because if you don't have that experience then you you never quite learn your place in nature or you let never quite learn the kind of the beauty and the the peace in that and i, I the example that I would give is that if you live in a treeless city and you experience life in that concrete jungle for long enough, you will get depressed. You need to reconnect and you need to have that nostalgia value. And I think that's why it's important to kind of connect as a family and connect as children in that camping experience. And I think it's beautiful. I think I'm going to go camping soon, guys. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think it's, we're going to have to do it. Let's do a music and everything podcast camp. That and sounds fun. not record anything. Not Brilliant. document anything. There will be no evidence that this actually happens. So but no we will fry a whole fish on a big griddle or something. A whole, we'll find a fish. <laughs> Where do those guys live anyway? Yeah, I think water. Um, in the water, <laughs> in man. In the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't swim in the water. Don't swim in the water. There are indeed saltwater crocodiles. Uh, it has been really fun talking about this. And like I said, it has reignited my desire to go out into the world and take my kids. The girls need to get out there and experience this too. Um, I hope you guys had fun. I hope this was uh, educational for you, particularly with all of this sort of like mini uh, Australian things for those of you listening from overseas. Hi, by the way. Uh, we've got plenty more fun stuff to <laughs> hey come gone. for the rest of it. Hey, gone. The, the correct answer is indeed. Hey, gone. we got more uh, fun stuff coming your way for the rest of season two. We hope you're enjoying it so far, but for now it's goodbye from me. That is Jim. And the Sams. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Take care of each other in the great outdoors. And we'll talk to you soon.